As I pass you, do I give you the ass or the crotch? That took me out. (laughs) I laughed so hard. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a singer-songwriter who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to make my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. I am not on this quest alone, however. This week, I am joined by my friend, another actor and costume designer, Adoria Lewis. Adoria, how is it going? How are you? Hello, thank you for having me. It's going well. (laughs) <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, um, we met, what, about December? It's now July? Something like that. Yeah, we've known each other a little over a half a year ago. So, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, we met each other online doing a acting course and just kept in touch. And you were like, you need to watch this film. Well, you need to watch more than one film. But <laughs> let's get you seasoned. Let's get you cultured. Let's get you up to date. Like I, I want to use certain references. Let's do these haha moments, you know. And you can't. But I'm working on it. I am working my way through. We're talking about Fight Club this week. We're starting my quest on watching Fight Club. I've heard multiple different things about it but before we get into what i know about fight club what is your background on the film do you remember when you first saw it like you know why do you enjoy it as much as you do yeah first off i i do know for everyone who's listening out there i'm going to address the elephant in the room i know you're not supposed to talk about fight club but we gotta do it i mean hey so my is is Brad Pitt. Come on now, ladies, we know. It's Brad. He's universal, top A-lister, very talented, whether comedy or seriousness. So definitely almost every project he's probably touched. He's one of those actors you want to watch whatever he's in. So that was my first um, look at it and first kind of like, hmm, I think I'll try and see what it's about. Plus, you know, it's like action-y. And for me, as a kid or preteen or whatever growing up in that era and watching it, like I was very heavy into martial arts. So I want to watch anything that kind of had some fighting in it. I mean, I know that's odd, but hey, I was a tomboy to a certain extent. My mom told me I can do so well, I can be the next Power Ranger. So I wanted to do that. And, you know, I liked him in other projects too. I know it probably came a little later you know, like Interview with the Vampire and stuff like that. But I was definitely a Brad fan and Helen Carter. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I know two things about this film. The first thing is Brad Pitt is in the film. (laughs) The second thing is what you just said is rule number one is don't talk about Fight Club. (laughs) Spoiler alert, we're breaking the first rule. These are the only two things I knew about this film. I mean, I put together that you're gonna see some fighting you know just based on the title but i don't know what type of 
fighting that is or anything and yeah that's pretty much all i know about this film so i am going in completely blind have pretty much no starting point other than don't talk about it and i've decided we're gonna talk about it so let's just jump straight into it if there's nothing else so we start out with some beautiful rock music and then the cast list starts popping up and that's when i realize oh it's not just brad pitt it's just an a-list cast all the way around it's everyone is a household name at this point i don't know if they were in 99 when the film came out at least i think it was 99 is when the film came out you're right but sweet i don't know if it, everyone was like an a-lister by then i think brad pitt was probably like a big name helena carter probably a big name by that point mm-hmm. i don't know how much of a name edward norton was but so far as like i've enjoyed most of his films that i've seen and so far in this film He's doing great, so I'm not fully sure, but just an A-list cast all around. And immediately, someone has a gun in his mouth, and people are asking if he knows who Tyler Durden is. This is our narrator, and our narrator just says, when you have a gun in your teeth, you only speak in vowels. Which is something that, like, makes sense, and I don't know why bad guys do this. You want an answer, maybe don't put something in their mouth to get an answer. This is true. I feel from a standpoint, it probably is more so a scare tactic and then delving deeper into the mind of possible lunatic. Um, They don't think first, ask questions later. And sometimes, as we've seen in probably other shows or movies, accidentally pull the trigger and then someone yells at him like why did you do that you know and they get scolded but it's definitely not a a thinking thing it's more of just rage and you know what let me step back just a little bit but I'm still going to be hostile because I want my answers and usually something like that gets you answers (laughs) right like hey it's a very simple thought process instead of putting the gun in the person's mouth maybe put it on their forehead you get the same amount of effect but they can speak and give you an answer rather than just ah like no one can understand that yeah exactly very much. I mean, but if it's a direct question, you know, it's like either yes or no. You even in Hummet, you mm-hmm, mm-mm. So you can you can hear that. But if they ask you deep questions that require a full-on sentence or a safe code or something, like you're not gonna get those answers. So you're absolutely right. It's like really think of your method, but Hey, they're bad guys. Just be slightly smart about how you're going to threaten someone. Ideally, maybe don't threaten people. It's not the best way, but if that's the business that you're in, just be smart about it. Like, just be efficient. You you have things to do. The people that you've captured would probably not like to be there either. So, like, you know, just efficiency. That's all I'm saying here. Just be efficient. You're absolutely correct, you know, which is why I think in, you know, deviating just a little bit in other films or shows, they're, they're getting a little bit better than that. They don't use things that they did. And like, even this is an older film, you know, 1990s. But, you know, no one's beating someone with the phone book or anything like that anymore. The phone books aren't around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's digital. It's compact. That is true. I mean, 
you could hit someone with a tablet, then you ruin it, and you now you're owed a tablet, so. And tablets are expensive. Like, it, here's the thing, is you could beat someone up with the phone book, and that has some girth and some weight to it, right? And, like, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you could just be like, oh, I lost my phone book, and get another one for fairly cheap. Um, or maybe free, I don't know, I never had to... I've used phone books, I never had to be the one to order one. So I don't know how expensive they ever were. But then like a tablet is like even a cheap one, which if you're a bad guy, you're not using a cheap tablet. You're probably using a slightly nicer tablet that can run proper applications for like code breaking and things like that. So like, you know, you're looking at like $250 plus. And also there's just no girth to a tablet. You're probably gonna break your tablet before you break the person's bones. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So I I wouldn't recommend it. You know, I'm just saying there's a difference between the 90s and today's age with everything being like tech. It's not the same. It's not. If someone did a comedy bit, that, that would kind of be kind of funny. Yeah. If any comedians out there are listening, feel free. Just, you know, give us credit in like the credits, not in your bit. So the narrator then just says he's completely forgotten about Ty's controlled demolition and just wonders how clean the gun is. That's another factor. Like, you know, maybe the gun is clean, but I just now feel bad for this narrator who's stuck in a chair with potentially a very dirty gun in his mouth. Who knows? Or the taste of steel. Like, ugh. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it tastes very good. I can honestly say that if I have tasted steel, it's been a very long time since I've put anything that is steel in my mouth. I was probably a child. Other than like a spoon or a utensil, but I'm more focused on the food when I do that. Yeah, yeah. You have to have some really old rustic, which you shouldn't be using anyways, uh, silverware, and then you can taste it, and that's, I mean, then you know. Just throw it away and buy a new set, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, they say the old saying of, you hurt the ones you love, works both ways. Fair enough. And they now have a front row seat for the theater of mass destruction. I'm intrigued. Turns out that the demolitions committee of Project Mayhem, fantastic name for a project, has wrapped the foundation columns of a dozen different buildings with blasting gel, and in two minutes they will blow and a few blocks will be reduced to rubble. So immediately I have a few questions and a couple of predictions. Is number one, who is part of Project Mayhem? Number two, who exactly is Tyler Durden? I took a guess saying that this is going to be Brad Pitt's character. Spoiler alert, I'm right. And the third thing that was kind of more of a prediction was that Tyler Durden is probably the leader of Project Mayhem. And I do know that Brad Pitt's character is in the Fight Club. I don't know what his role is, but I'm thinking that maybe he is the leader of the Fight Club and the Fight Club is a little bit of a front for this Project Mayhem, which is to create chaos and destruction to the corporate elite this is my guess of what might be happening what's going on with this project i know you can't say a lot because i haven't seen much of the film but yeah that's my guess yeah i'm i'm definitely not one of those spoilers so i won't or if i get the floor i definitely will hit the ground running so <laughs> and in all and i'm gonna i'm gonna Keep it in in order 
<laughs> as we go along. <laughs> we'll just we'll just move on so that you don't accidentally say something. So the narrator knows this because Tyler knows this. And it all has to do with knowing a girl named Marla Singer. And I was like, great, we're going to meet Helena Carter's character and we're going to meet Marla. Nope, turns out we then meet Bob, who has bitch tits. Yeah. I was like, this is not Marla, this is Bob. Yeah, uh, they were massive. I yeah. mean, he's, he's a tall dude, period, but they were massive. Yeah, so turns out we're in a support group for men with testicular cancer. And I was like, oh no, our narrator, like, poor guy, he's got testicular cancer. I was like, I already feel for him because he's had a dirty gun put in his mouth. But also, like, now you have to deal with testicular cancer? Dude, I feel bad for you. Turns out, eight months ago, Bob lost his testicles. But before we get more into Bob, we have to back up another while. We don't actually know how long it is, but we back up. Turns out, our narrator, who I still don't know his name to this point of the movie, of where I'm at in watching it, they still haven't told me his real name. So for this entire episode, he's just gonna be called the narrator, which annoys me as well, but it's gonna be a good time. So we have the narrator and for six months, he is not able to sleep. He has insomnia where he describes it in a very interesting way. And he says that with insomnia, nothing is real everything is far away and everything is just a copy of a copy now i'm very lucky i don't have insomnia but it was a very interesting way to hear it because i've never heard insomnia talked about in that way before have you outside of this film have you heard it talked about it like that or yeah where people say they're like going through the motions like you know it's it's really not being present so it it kind of in its own way brought awareness to that problem you know it's um it's something that cripples a lot of people like here in america like it's a lot of work 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 whereas other countries have a little bit more leisure time or time off sick maternity you name it so it's all about grinding the employee the worker bee to the ground and a lot of people do get that so him narrate, narrating and going through that, it really kind of shed the light to probably thousands of people who actually go through it. And that was a good way to articulate that it feels like that. I think um, I had moments or weeks where it's really tough to sleep. So I can see that, you know, it's definitely you hear the alarm, you get up, you do whatever you got to do, you eat, nurture yourself enough barely have anything to do, zombify with some TV, and then bed, and repeat, and repeat. So you start to feel that way. And do you get hobbies and do other things and stuff too, but, you know, which leads to whatever he does next, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, he does have a hobby. It's just different to most people's hobbies. But what you were saying in terms of, like, just waking up and the grind, and I think it's, interesting especially with what's happening right now you know as we were talking before we started recording with the strikes the writer strike the actor strike now all of it and you're part of that community i'm not in the sense of i'm living in england where i'm not officially part of it but i still feel the effects of it being right. 
an up-and-coming actor and you as well but like you know i think a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of grind that happens for most actors in the industry like you know yes you have the celebrities who make millions of dollars for every film but that's not the majority of people and the majority of people it's you know they act when they get the work but then they have other jobs and it's that grind but like the reason that they keep going is because that's what they love to do and it's just they want proper compensation for the work that they are doing so yeah you know there is so many levels of actors speaking out striking and doing all that stuff so i'm very much aware of a lot of the things i won't say everything no one knows everything but i i watch and i pay attention i get the news or the notices via email or whatever from sag because i am sag after and there are actors whose faces you know probably very well, probably seen him once or twice in two different project projects, excuse me. And they are advocating as well about what you just said. They aren't the A-listers, but they want their proper compensation as well, you know, and there are big names like Netflix and such that are under fire. And it probably goes way deeper than what we are even given as information or part of strikes because we know AI and background and stuff is a thing, but there is more than background. There's features or, you know, walk on roles. Maybe you have three words, but even if you're not being compensated for that or getting your royalties or, you know, residual income from when it's on different platforms and stuff and they're just pocketing it. It's not fair because you're always supposed to be owed some royalties. But when they're pennies, I'm seeing A-listers going live and showing their checks and like, oh, I got a check from SAG. You know, this is great. I got three. And it's $2.52, That is absolutely ridiculous. And it's a little disheartening and discouraging that I'm at the level that I am hoping to reach higher, you know, to be more active in my craft because I'm honing it. You know how we met, we met in a workshop. So I'm honing my craft, but it's looking pretty bleak. And especially the more they advance AI, is AI going to be gunning for lead and supporting roles now? Where does it stop? So with background, they're saying... They'll pay you little to nothing, forever get to use your likeness, and know you won't be paid for it. They'll own it till even after the day you die. And no one thinks that's a great pitch. No one's going to sign to that. So they're fighting at the table for things that are common sense, but obviously not common enough to not know this is not something we're going to take lying down. Yeah. No, totally. I know the big name that I've seen get tossed around a lot of who's getting a lot of the scrutiny. You mentioned Netflix, but recently I legitimately saw a clip today that was saying that Bob Iger back in like, I think the 90s was making 30 times more than the lowest paid worker. 
and now in 2023 it's 400 times more than the lowest paid worker and it's like why is that and if the only answer is that's how corporations work then something's got to change and like you said Mm -hmm. ai is a big thing and it's developing and i think that it's really cool that it's developing but at the same time it's fighting for that protection of like you can't just use our likeness and own what you can't own my face for my entire life my face is my face you don't get to own my face right simple as that 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 comes standard stuff too like a person can't take a picture of you and then go make this mold of a face mask and like impersonate like that that's kind of like a crime so they're finding ways to maneuver around that and say this is our version we can get to do this no i think this is kind of like this crime and i don't think you should try to sugarcoat it and sprinkle over it and say no this is this is a new thing for the industry this will be great no it's not and thespians even with live plays like Nothing will replace people, an entertainer. You can change the the gender or whatever, but live entertainment, musicians, actors, nothing changes that. This is why we have concert. This is why people were <laughs> jumping over each other for joy to go back to live concerts and post-COVID, you know, and, and everything. Like, it will never stop. We do have animation already. We do have things that look realistic and AI makes it even even more remarkable, right? But if it was solely that and took away every actor and their job, there would be a massive kind of rioting, I feel, like in the virtual and physical streets because no one just wants to see something digitally animated. They want to see real life emotions from an actual person. They want to see that danger, whether it's a stunt or whatever else. No one wants to see AI do everything. It's okay for some things, but it's not everything. Yeah, I mean, like you said with stunts, it's significantly more impressive to watch Tom Cruise like ride a motorcycle and then jump off a cliff and like go skydiving off of it. I know that that's a thing in the new Mission Impossible movie solely because I saw something about it. But, like, it's significantly more impressive to watch Tom Cruise do that and be like, a human being just did this rather than watching Tom Cruise do it, but then knowing that it's AI and just being like, well, like, there was no danger. Like, that's not impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just computer generated. And, like, it's sig- there's something significantly more impressive of a person willing to go to those lengths to do something like that. And it's that human connection as well, right? Like, even with animation, there's a reason that voice actors and good voice actors are so sought after. Because even though it's animated, you still get that human emotion coming through just through the voice. So Yes, passionate about too. That's something I'm trying to break into with the my voice being very commercial but you know animation is like a whole nother breed as well too but when you have so much or can convey so much emotion that's what you want they can generate the likeness of a voice but you can always still tell it's ai 
they did it with the celebrities, with Drake, with Kanye, with... Yeah, with the music, right? Yeah, and they are coming after whoever created these apps or whatever. And it's like all famous and anyone in the entertainment business is being gunned after. And we're we're definitely not taking it lying down across the board. No. And I mean, it's a huge discussion and it's probably going to keep going. I mean, I support it 100%. I don't have the mm-hmm. right answers. I'm not saying that I do. I'm just trying to survive currently. But it's a huge discussion. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, you know, even the A-listers are on the side being like, no, like, Sure, we make money, but not everyone does all the time. So everyone needs to be compensated properly and things like that. But anyway, back to Fight Club, because that's actually what we're talking about. But I just felt like it's so adamant of what's going on that like we had to kind of address what's going on in the world right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fight in itself. Yeah. yeah, it's a different type of fight. So let's go figure out what this guy is. So where were we? Yeah. Hobbies. Yes. Um, our narrator has dealt with insomnia. He now, you know, his boss is telling him that he has to go out of town. And the narrator just says something along the lines of him becoming a slave to Ikea and online catalogs. And that if he ever saw a clever thing like a yin-yang coffee table, he had to buy it. I enjoyed the specificity of Yin Yang Coffee Table. I don't know why, but I was like, that's fun. So we then get a very fun clip, and all of the furniture in his apartment is placed periodically, and the prices from the catalog keeps popping up. Now, because I am who I am, I decided that uh, let's pause and try to add all this up. So I may have missed one or two, but it looks... If I did my math right, like he spent about 3,400 US dollars to furnish his apartment. <laughs> that is unheard of in today's society. That is wild, considering that pays for a good amount of rent. <laughs> that, that, I, I'm speechless on that. I, I mean, everyone has a different lifestyle, right? I guess so. I mean, I don't know what this man does for a living, but apparently he has enough money to spend $3,400 on furnishing his apartment. Roughly. But at the same time, we get a look inside of his fridge, and it's nothing in there except mustard. Maybe like Ustica butter. Oh, what? Condiments. 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 Uh, I mainly saw mustard. (laughs) It was mustard, more mustard, and multiple jars of mustard. Which, fair play, mustard's good, but, like, it's nice to have something with the mustard. And also, uh, just me personally, it's gotta be a spicy mustard. I'm a honey mustard type of person, so... That's respectable, I guess. We'll move on. So, our narrator is now at the doctor, and the doctor tells him that he needs to lighten up. He won't give him any medicine but says, chew some fruit, I didn't catch exactly what fruit it was, and just try to get some sleep. And I'm like, that's easier said than done to an insomniac. So the narrator asks the doctor, like, please give me something, I'm in pain. And the doctor says that if you want to see pain, swing by First Methodist Tuesday nights. 
And I was like, oh, this is where we're going to get introduced to the Fight Club and he's going to feel pain because he's going to get punched in the face. Nope, um, this is apparently a support group for men with testicular cancer. I was very wrong very quickly. Yeah. That intense, real, yeah, really. Yeah, it got real very fast, which I didn't know what to expect with this movie, but I thought it was a bit more of a comedy. <laughs> Not really. Dark humor. Yeah. Oh, no, it's my type of humor, but um, it ain't <laughs> comedy. <laughs> I, I definitely chuckled, but um, I was like, oh, that's not what I thought. So naturally, our narrator goes to this meeting and I was like, is his name Cornelius? We'll find out. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, his little name tag says, hello, my name is Cornelius. And I was like, cool. Maybe his name is Cornelius. I don't know. No one has said his name yet. So then we have a guy. His name is Thomas. And he's opening up saying that he always wanted kids. And his wife had a beautiful daughter. And I was like, aw. With her new husband. Oh. Yeah. That was tragic. And then he proceeds to break down. Yeah, I felt bad for the guy. He said it was okay and he was happy for her. But... He was definitely hurting. I mean, yeah, like, you can be happy for someone, but that, that's that gotta hurt. When, like, the reason is that, like, he can't give her children. And it kind of felt like in his monologue that that was the reason that she now has a new husband. Mm -hmm. Is because he couldn't give her children, which is what she wanted as well. So, it was hard. Definitely implied. Yes. Yeah, it was heavily implied. It wasn't said, but heavily implied. So they then move on to one-on-ones. And this is how our narrator has met Bob. So we're back to Bob. We learn that Bob was a champion bodybuilder. And he was a juicer. He used steroids. And now he's bankrupt, divorced, and his two grown kids will not return his calls. Which yep. just seemed harsh if... The only reason is because you have cancer. Ah, uh, with juicers, supposedly, like, they say roid ragers or something. So he probably had a temper. There's, you know, I mean, we can try to assume with things like that with steroids. You know, it didn't really give a lot of other context, too. But it was just saying he was at a high point, you know, bodybuilder, whatever, and did so much in that space of his career, then it just was all gone and nobody in his family wants anything to do with him. And now he's left here in a, a cancer support group with boobies. Yeah. Okay. That was the dark in itself. It was just like, yeah, you know, here's his life and here's his boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have that idea with the juicers so thank you for that but yeah because for me it was just like wow that's harsh if the reason is because of his cancer like that's just really harsh but maybe maybe that backstory as well might fit into it i don't know we're not given a lot of information on yeah. bob other than that so our narrator starts to cry and he's lost in oblivion it's dark silent and complete and then he has a beautiful line where he says that losing all hope was his freedom i just thought it was a beautiful line yeah once you don't care it's like the the saying like 
once you stop caring about what people think of you, you know, you will really help yourself see things in a different light. And that's actually from an actor's standpoint as well. You stop worrying about the auditioner and critiquing yourself or whatever else or what this next actor would or won't do to this character or scene and you live in the moment, everything becomes better, greater, or acceptable. Yeah. And it's definitely true. I mean, it's easier said than done living in the moment. But I mean, I definitely feel it where when I'm acting and I'm not thinking, it's great. And the moment I start to think, things go terribly. So the best advice I ever got was stop being your worst enemy and start doing what you do best and stop thinking. And I was like, I think that's a compliment, but I'm not sure because you just told me that what I'm really good at is not using my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's like a total oxymoron. And it's so hard for some people or new actors to grasp. It's like, what? You you dissect the role and really learn it, but don't think, huh? I'm like I'm I'm getting better at it, right? And I think everyone is always getting better at it of not thinking when they're an actor, and it's inevitable. You will start thinking every now and again because you're human, and that's what happens. Your brain starts to think, but we we try to not, and when we don't, it's fantastic. And it's actually quite revealing as well. Like he said, that was his freedom. I don't know, for me and other actors that I've talked to, their freedom is when they don't have to use their brain at all. That is very, very true. So he finally gets some sleep. I'm happy for him. Let's go, narrator. Things are going good. And then he became an addict. And I was like, what? Turns out he became addicted (laughs) to support groups. And I was like, you know what? Kind of messed up, but also there are worse things that you could be addicted to, like heroin. So, like, you know, pros and cons. Like, he's going to support groups. There are worse things that someone could do than just show up to a support group. That is true, but in itself, it is very terrible if he gets found out because it's kind of like a betrayal. You know, he definitely would get kicked out. I'm not saying uh, it's okay. Oh, I know you're not. I'm just saying like, this addiction is definitely an addiction and it needs to be nipped in the bud. And I think that it might on where I've cut off, but let's keep going and we'll figure out where I've gotten to so far. So, okay. He did learn that if he didn't say anything, they just assumed the worst. And when they cried, he cried harder. And, you know, he wasn't hosting cancer, parasites, or dying, or anything like that. But he was just the warm center that life revolved around. Which was, again, a very interesting thing. But it's like, yeah, like, hey, dude, maybe don't do that. (laughs) Like, this isn't okay. Hello and welcome to the intermission. I hope you're all enjoying this episode. 
If you would like to support the show in a monetary way, gain access to some bonus content, you can do so. Head over to patreon.com slash postfinale, and different tiers will get you different types of bonus content, and I appreciate anyone who wants to do this. Thank you so much. All the money that is made from the Patreon will go directly back into the show to make this a better show, and I... Thank all of you that will do it, and anyone that does sign up will get a special shout-out on the show. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, that is great as well. I completely understand that not everyone can help out in a monetary way, and that's okay. Thank you so much for just listening to this episode. Please tune in to next week's episode as well. We will be back next week. And I hope you were enjoying the episodes. Please leave us a review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you're using. All of that helps. And talk about us on social media. Our tag is at PostFinalePod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure, talk about the show, tweet at us. If you have thoughts, anything, just let us know. If you want to send us an email, you can do so, PostFinalePod at gmail.com. I will respond to any email that I get. It just might take me some time, but I promise I will respond to you and get that back to you. But thank you so much. And let's get back into this episode where we're talking about Fight Club, which I know is something that you're not supposed to do, but I guess we're already doing it, so what more harm can come to it? I don't know. We'll find out. Let's continue. So... We're now in, like, some guided meditation situation, and he starts imagining his cave. It's an ice cave, and, you know, he goes in, and he's told, now you're gonna find your power animal. And his power animal is a penguin! Oh my god, I love penguins! And the penguin just says, slide. And then the penguin starts sledding away, and, or sliding away. And immediately my brain goes... Avatar, penguin sledding. Let's go. I mean, who doesn't love the airbender known as the Avatar? And we are talking about the animated one. The film doesn't exist. So. Oh, hard disc. You know what? As an understander of our craft, I appreciated the attempt of the live action could have been better executed look an attempt was made it was a bad attempt i respect anyone who did it and worked on the film yes but not all projects are good projects this is true and that just happened to not be a good project like they're doing a new live action with avatar that's coming out in 2024 i believe and I'm hoping that yes. they've learned and because I think it would be really cool to see it done with live action, but done properly. It just didn't feel well, like it was done properly. Not that they didn't try very hard. It just wasn't what the fans of that series wanted. Yes, I feel if they had tweaked about 10 different things, I'm going to say everything, about 10 different major things, it would have worked. Yeah, ten major things is a lot of things. <laughs> it is. It is. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not one of those people who's going to say, the whole film is terrible. Like, no, the way they did to where he bend or anyone bended water or whatever. Like, some of the visuals was there. I think it was just they tried to do too much with 
the technology, it just wasn't there at the time. True. The technology that was needed just wasn't there. I don't know. We're not talking about that film, though. So, and it's <laughs> been true. so long that I don't fully remember that film. I've watched it. I think I watched part of it and I shut it off. I, I finished it. I've watched it maybe one and a half times. I don't think I finished it. I don't think I ever finished it. I did. I did enjoy Dev Patel. I think him as Zuko worked. Yeah, there's at least, I was going to say, three or four major actors in there. And yeah. I think a lot of people have problems with at least two of the actors casted in there. But everyone else, it it would have worked. Yeah, I so... think it could have worked, it just didn't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that happens. But anyway, every evening our narrator says that he died. And every evening he was resurrected again. And Bob loved him because he thought that his testicles were removed as well. He was a fraud, but you know what? Like we said, there are worse things that you could do, but like what he was doing was not okay. So the narrator going to these was his vacation. And then in walked Marla Singer, and she ruins everything. Because she didn't have testicular cancer. She didn't have any diseases. The narrator saw her at the Free and Clear Blood Parasites group on Thursdays, then Hope, the bi-monthly sickle cell circle, and then Seize the Day, the Tuberculosis Friday night group. This man has gone to so many different groups. Like, what in the world? Like, this is crazy. But, okay. I also like how all of these were just about, you know, I have a very bad disease, but none of them were like, I'm an alcoholic who's recovering or anything like that. It was just, I have terminal illness. And he went to terminal illness instead of like a support group for people who drank or smoked and things like that. Yes, it was more so from my perspective of him trying to find people who were way worse off than him. And for him to really be lucky that he has the life that he has because it could be worse. And him crying about his life with each of these support groups and just feeling the emotions he feels about his own life and then, okay, I got it out of my system. But he has to be around people worse off. Like he can't do this therapeutic cry alone. And he's not crying for their sake. He's not saying like, oh, I really care for her, like in his narration. It really is, I'm being renewed. I'm what I, me, 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 me. So it's how he is making himself feel better about his life. Exactly. And he says it right then as well, that Marla was a tourist and her lie reflected his lie. And because of her, he felt nothing. And once again, he couldn't cry. He couldn't sleep. And when you have insomnia, you're never truly asleep or awake. Again, a very interesting thing that was said. And, you know, I know a little bit about insomnia. And I have heard that before, that you really don't know. Because you're always exhausted. And you can't really fall asleep. But you aren't ever fully awake because you haven't been able to sleep and get the rest that your body needs. Definitely a major problem with society 
No, it definitely is. And, you know, I like that this film has a protagonist who suffers from something that probably a lot of people suffer from. And, you know, it's I do know that it's fairly common. So I'm not sure exactly how what the statistics are, but I do know that a, a good number of people just in day to day life suffer from it without you even potentially realizing that someone suffers from it. So the narrator says that if he did have a tumor, he'd call it Marla. I enjoyed that one. That was fun. <laughs> and we're back in our cave. And now his name tag says Murphy. And so then I was like, oh, is this the same situation? Like he just has a different name tag at each place. And it made me think of Superstore because I had recently just finished watching it. And one of the main characters in that series, Amy, just always changes her name tag because she never wants people to know her real name, like customers to know her real name. And I'm like, I get that. I don't need a random person calling me by name, my name if they don't know who I am. <laughs> so, fair. But now the penguin's gone. We no longer have a penguin. And now the power animal is Marla. And now his name is Rupert. Which is where I, like, realized, great, I still don't know this guy's name. And he just has a different name tag at each one. So the narrator then starts talking to Marla. He confronts her, starts to tell her off. And Marla's just like, yep, I saw you doing this. I saw you practicing how to tell me off. How well is it going? How's that going for you? And I just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, I like how she just knew that she was like, he's going to come for me. I can see this happening. She calls him out. Yeah, and he's like, I'll expose you. And she's like, well, then I'll just expose you. And he's like, okay, like, this isn't going to work. And Marla then explains that she comes here because it's cheaper than the movies and free coffee. And I was like, you are sadistic and evil, but also, like, entertainment. Like, I don't know who you are, but you're intriguing. I mean, that was their version of reality TV. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Look, you got some messed up people in the world, but, like, they're intriguing. People love drama. They do. Like, they do. They, they want free in drama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, free coffee. Like you said, it's, it's very easy. Look, free anything gets people places very quickly. It was coffee and donuts and stuff, so, yeah, they're coming for a quick snack, you know, something. You have a free night, you got nothing better to do, let's go watch some drama and get a free snack. So... Literally the whole thing. <laughs> so, the narrator says that he's been coming to these meetings for over a year, and I was like, oh, like, it's been a while. And when people think you're dying, they really listen, instead of just waiting for their turn to speak. Which was just powerful. And just wonderful. And... They decide that, you know what, what's going to work best is they're just going to split up the meetings. And Marla just doesn't seem to have a single care in the world. And her philosophy is just that she might die at any moment. And I'm intrigued by this person. We don't see a lot more of her for how far I've gotten. But I'm very intrigued to learn more about her. My prediction with Marla is that she is somehow related with the fight club already and she's somehow related into it and because of what was said at the beginning 
she betrays somebody at some point, and I think she betrays Tyler, and that's kind of how our narrator ends up with the gun in his mouth, is because of some betrayal that Marla does to Tyler. At least that's what I think is going to happen. I have zero clue. Thank you for a deadpan face. Well, I mean, because, you know, you need me we'll move on you... i i appreciate you not being able to say anything this is the difficulty of being the guest for the first half of the film because you can't say anything this is true so we learned that our narrator he flies everywhere he wakes up at a different time a different place do you wake up a different person i don't think so but it's an interesting concept he passes brad pitt at one of the airports i still am not fully sure but, like, yeah, like, if you see it, he passes him just, like, in passing. It's, like, a two-second clip, maybe. And you just see Brad Pitt very quickly. And we're still not fully sure who he is, but I know at this point that he's Tyler Dundee? Dunfrey? Durden. Durden. Tyler Durden. Dunfee is in Modern Family, not this film. So, <laughs> a long... On a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everyone drops to zero. And then they're looking at a burnt car and trying to decide if it's worth a recall. This is kind of where we realize that that's what our narrator does. His job is trying to help this big corporation, the car company that he works for. I think it's Lincoln is the car company that he works for, but I couldn't quite tell because the car is burnt to a crisp. And But his job is to try to figure out if something should be recalled or not. And so we learned that this car had crashed with everyone inside, and then it blew up, burned, and everyone was inside of it. And they were trying to figure out should a recall be initiated. And then they explain kind of how they come to this conclusion, which I find very fascinating, is you have the number of vehicles in the field, which is A, you multiply that by the probable rate of failure, which is B, and you multiply that by the result by the average out-of-court settlement, which is C. So A times B times C is equal to X, and if X is less than the cost of a recall, then they don't do one. Interesting way to figure it out. I mean, you see recalls happen all the time, but, you know, something that it was never explained why or how they come up with it. I thought it was just very cool to learn how they come up with do we do a recall or not. You know, it was a lot to me about that. The dark jokes that the one investigator, too, for the car was, like, making about the deceased family, and I'm like, not the time and place, dude. Not. But like some of them, it was like, look at the braces. That could be a great anti-dental campaign or something, or dental campaign, something like that. And then the lighter thing too, and the the dad who drove the car and is like his chunky, like he probably was like obese or whatever, and something. I'm like so much dark humor. It it was. It was super compact. I was like, come on. Like, um, I guess you're trying to find the joy in the mundane of your job that is actually very morbid, but yikes. And the whole the A B equaling X, it was like like the lady. I, my face was like hers. Like, 
are you serious? Like, so many people have to lose their lives because you're saving the dollar. Yep. She was mortified, and it's fantastic. She asks which car company he works for, and he just goes, a major one. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I, I, you think I'm a snitch on myself? I'm telling you confidential information already. You're lucky you're getting this. But just be aware that this is the type of thing that goes on. If that didn't make people worry anyways, because you're more likely of a you know, car crash and plane crash and all the type of statistics. So Definitely. So he has always prayed for a plane crash every time he's on one. And then you have a very fun scene where, you know, he's imagining a plane crash and chaos and everything, and then he wakes up, and he is sitting next to Brad Pitt, a.k.a. Tyler. Yay. We finally get introduced to the heartthrob of the movie. So. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so Tyler is then explaining, do you know why they have oxygen masks on a plane? And he's like, oxygen gets you high. In an emergency, you take large panicked breaths. And you become euphoric, docile. You accept your fate. And the narrator is just like, uh-huh. And Tyler's like, no, no, no. It's all on the safety sheet. And then he shows him the safety sheet. And he's like, a water landing at 600 miles per hour. Faces are as calm as Hindu cows. <laughs> and as a Hindu, I laughed. <laughs> I was like, this is beautiful. That's just a good joke. Messed oh up, my. but, like, good. But, like, also, like, I've been to India multiple, multiple times. As Gabriel Iglesias says in one of his comedy sketches, the cows are cocky. They know nothing's gonna happen to them. <laughs> oh, gosh. They're, they're lovely. I mean, we love cows. They're just such kind creatures. <laughs> I mean, they provide you with... Unlimited leche, so why not? You know. Yep. So it was just a good joke. I just laughed. Like I know people now in 2023 might find that offensive. I don't. I just laughed. I was like, that's just a good joke. Let's move on. So the narrator asks what he does for a living. We find out Tyler makes soap. He then explained that apparently one can make all types of explosives with simple household items if one were so inclined, which makes me more intrigued that Tyler is probably using the Fight Club as a front for this Project Mayhem. I don't know. We'll find out. You can't say a lot. I appreciate that. So the narrator then says that Tyler is the most interesting single-serving friend he has ever met. And then he tries to explain what he means by single-serving because, you know, he explains it a bit earlier in the film. I don't think we touched on it. But... Where, you know, when you're always traveling, everything is single-serve coffee, single-serve cream, single-serve of sugar. And so he starts trying to explain this, and Tyler just is like, no, 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 I get it. It's clever. How's clever working out for you? And then the narrator's, like, going okay, and he's like, good, keep being clever. And then he starts to get up, and I loved this, where Tyler's just like, now, a matter of etiquette. As I pass you, do I give you the ass or the crotch? That took me out. <laughs> I laughed so hard. 
But even as he said that, he 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 gave him the ass cheeks. So I guess it was still some form of respect, but his exit was just it was perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. I'm in love with this character. I need to know more. I need to know more about this guy. He is wonderful. I love him already. And like just kind of has that like suave confidence that like only Brad Pitt can kind of pull off. <laughs> yes, like, his very hair well is a little messy. Like, oh, it just all worked. It, it, it was beautiful. Great introduction to Tyler. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for it. So we then learn offhandedly that, that the narrator ended up living with Tyler because the airline had a policy about vibrating luggage. And I'm like, what? We then learn that if a suitcase is vibrating, they have to call the police because modern bombs don't tick. So they have to assume that a vibration is some type of bomb. They have to call the police to investigate. Fair enough. So he's talking to this airport worker, and the airport worker is wild. And he's just like, well, nine out of ten times, it's an electric razor. But the other time, it's usually a dildo. But we have to say a dildo. We can't say your dildo i love that the narrator tries to explain that he doesn't own a dildo but the airport worker doesn't care he's just like yeah whatever like go away (laughs) yeah it's like i I really don't want to help you with your your bag issue i'm just kind of giving you just a little insight take it and go like most (laughs) troublesome TSA agents, you know, everyone's making TikTok skits or whatever about them. They're just, they're really not all that nice. (laughs) I wouldn't know. I'm not, I mean, I'm on TikTok, but I mainly just post and leave. That too, I'm terrible at posting on it. But yeah, I don't scroll through TikTok ever. Yeah, more so like, you know, on Instagram, on IG, like the, because it's a longer... Uh, more think scene platform exactly i i'll just you know i'll watch the funny tiktok you know two weeks late on instagram and i'm okay with that (laughs) i I am you know like there's a trend and it's like oh it's a it's a week late like oh well so mm, i guess i guess we're a week late but so the narrator then sees tyler steals someone's nice red car just drives away in it and i'm like i like this guy he's fun he's intriguing so he then heads home to his condo which is on the 15th floor of a filing cabinet for widows and young professionals with concrete walls and when he rolls up there's a lot going on there are fire trucks and lights and turns out there was an explosion in his apartment and we see all of his stuff thrown out onto the ground, including his yin-yang coffee table. It makes an appearance. It does. It does. Ironic. You know, what it represents, that it was talked about, that it's there on the floor, kind of charred, like, aw. It was sad. But... The police orders say that, you know, he cannot go up into the unit. There's nothing there anyway. And he then gets told later that the police told him that the pilot light may have gone out 
releasing a little bit of gas and that could have filled his whole condo over three or four days and then the fridge's compressor could have clicked on and caused the explosion so his doorman legitimately seems sorry but he's like do you have anyone to call and he finds marla's number on a charred piece of paper because of course that number had to survive yeah i mean burnt edges but the name and number with not a ash mark or smear on it perfectly intact incredible movie magic at its finest so the narrator calls marla and he doesn't say anything, which seems counterproductive when you call someone after your house has blown up. She's like, I can hear you breathing. And then he just hangs up. And I'm like, dude, like, maybe say something if you're going to call the person after your house has blown up. He did the creeper thing. So. Yeah, that's all I got to say. But then he decides to call Tyler. But again, hangs up before there's an answer. And then the telephone booth starts to ring, and it's Tyler. And Tyler's like, yeah, I star 69 you, I never answer my phone. Which, I don't know if it's much of a thing anymore, but I definitely remember growing up, whenever we wanted to prank call a friend or not have them know who was calling, we would use star 69 to mm -hmm. make yes. sure that our name didn't pop up on the caller ID. Now, with everything on cell phones, I don't really think that's much of a thing anymore. It It is. It's a, it's a lost in translation thing, but you can still do it. But then there's those counterproductive apps to, like, reverse number lookup and stuff, you know? But if you can successfully still block it, you know, it still is a good thing. You can still use star six seven you know to call people back or whatever so it's still there but i feel like this generation might not know that like if they went on a game show and they asked the question it was like multiple choice they would probably get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> fair enough but so we're now at lou's tavern bar and tyler says hey it could have been worse a woman could have cut off your penis while you were sleeping and tossed it out of a moving car He's perfect. I love this character. He's so witty. Snarky comebacks. Like, he's on his toes. <laughs> and I love how the narrator was just like, I mean, yeah, I guess that could have happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never really thought about it, but okay. And then he starts being sad, the narrator. And he's like, you know, I had a nice stereo. I had a wardrobe that was almost decent. Now it's all gone. And I'm like, based on what I've seen you wearing in the last 30 minutes of this film, the explosion did you a favor. Yeah. In terms of wardrobe, maybe not the stereo. That could have been state-of-the-art. Who knows? I don't know. But, like, his wardrobe was nothing to be, like, you know, it fit his personality, yes. But it was nothing to be proud of. Right, even though he name-dropped brands, it's like, mm, it was very bland, sir. And you may have It was all the same. Up. Yes, it was very cookie-cutter. Yeah. So, he ex then Tyler asks, do you know what a duvet is? And, you know, a duvet is just a blanket, that's all it is. And people like them are consumers, byproducts, of a lifestyle obsession, which is very interesting. And I think that's how 
you know, that still holds true for today. Yes, absolutely. So Tyler says, you know, we just got to stop being perfect. Let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. He could be wrong, but that's what he thinks. And the more Tyler talks, the more I like him. Which makes me sad for the eventual downfall of Tyler. Because he's gotta be doing some shady stuff. Otherwise, our poor narrator wouldn't have a gun in his mouth being asked who's Tyler. Or how do you know Tyler? And it makes me sad that Tyler might have a downfall. Because I just like his outlook, you know? Stop trying to be perfect. Be yourself. Things are going to happen. Not everything's going to work out. But, you know, it'll it'll work out in the end. But just see what happens. Don't try to be the perfect version. Just be yourself. Absolutely. Great advice. Always. Never the wrong advice. I also appreciate how it seemed like you were trying to hold back laughter or some type of emotion when I was saying the eventual downfall of Tyler. So thank you for not saying anything. So... <laughs> <laughs> Tyler then says the things you own end up owning you and this is when I like noticed I'm like we've had bland for most of the movie in terms of like outfits and Tyler's is just beautiful it's this white and black patterned shirt with a red leather coat it's iconic I love it let's go I'm here for it I like colors and patterns in case listeners haven't been able to put that together at this point I mean, I think Tyler did too, because when he stole that car at the airport, as you pointed out, which made me chuckle so much, like all he saw was him getting in the car. He didn't see as he turned around that a guy yells like, hey. (laughs) So he clearly jumped in someone's convertible and sped off. Iconic. It was. So the narrator says he should find a hotel. And Tyler's just like, dude, just ask. And the narrator's like, what? And Tyler's like, it's been three pitchers of beer and you still can't ask. He called me because he needed a place to stay. Narrator tries to deny it. And Tyler's just like, yeah, no, you needed a place to stay. Just ask. And I really appreciate that he's making our narrator ask. He's not just offering, even though he knows that that's what the question is going to be. He knows what it is. But he's like, you have to be able to ask. Otherwise, I'm not going to give it to you. So, and then the beautiful exchange of, can I stay at your place? Yeah. (laughs) Like, he knew he was going to say yes the whole time. But he was like, you have to be the one to ask. Right. Put your pride aside and tell me what you want. Just ask. I will say yes. I bought you three pitchers of beer. (laughs) Like... At this point, yeah, like, you can stay. Just ask. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't going to leave you on the streets drunk, you know. Come on, dude. Yeah. And then Tyler just says, you know what? I need a favor, though. And the favor is to hit him as hard as he can. And that's where we're going to cut off for this episode. Right before we learn more about Tyler, right before anything else we haven't actually gotten to a fight club but i think we're uh starting to see it coming through with this final favor a little bit so Mm -hmm. i'm intrigued i'm very intrigued i legitimately do not know what's happening past this because i haven't watched past this (laughs) so this is 
how far I've gotten in the film. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Tyler's probably into some shady stuff. And I think Marla's going to be a part of the fight club and then betray someone. I think Marla is going to break the rule of fight club, of don't talk about fight club. You know, I kind of just had that thought as we're recording. But I think that's what's going to happen, is she's going to break the number one rule of don't talk about it. You know, you, you did speak on her, but we did kind of like skip the fact that while he's talking to her and everything, like, in addressing things and following her, like, she does some sketchy stuff. I mean, she does do some pretty sketchy things. The sketchiest probably being walking into a laundromat, stealing mm-hmm. someone's clothes, and then selling the clothes. Right across the street. Like, he's like, hey, you forgot half your clothes. And, like, if it's not clicking to you that obviously she just snatched and grabbed, sir, and then he goes into the store and then he sees her, the transactions, like, oh, so you still clothes? Like, look, our narrator is not the brightest person in the world. Okay? <laughs> like, he just, he isn't. He's a simple, simple person who just doesn't pick up on a lot of cues. No, but this is what attracts him to intriguing people because he is so plain and he's like, these people are, and I don't know what it is about you, but I need to speak to you, which is why he got her number. Like it wasn't a, I'm really interested. It's you're interesting. You're more intriguing than me going home and turning on the TV. You're just about as entertaining as me going to the support groups. No, no. He needed it. He needed it for therapy. She needed it for entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll we see. We'll see. I'm excited. Is there anything else that we didn't cover so far that you want to cover? Up until, obviously, as far as I've seen. So my thing is, I feel like, you know, every film at a certain point drops Easter eggs or foreshadows or whatever, you know, definitely, especially with the yin yang table and whatnot. And it pop up again and the condiments in the refrigerator being on the curb as it blew out of the, the apartment. But one in fact was the biggest for me that stood out. And yes, it's up to this point, but we can even go in deeper in the next part, in the next phase. But that Tyler pops up multiple times before he actually has real life screen time. Yeah. Like a glitch in the system, like almost like a matrix. There was a moment where I thought my... So it looked like a glitch happened in the film. Was that meant to be there? Yes. So, you know, when you watch it the first time or back in the day, it came out in theaters or VHS, you know, those things can have errors. But when we talk about the other parts, I think it'll make more sense. But from this standpoint, there is three times besides the airport, you know, passing, just in passing. So three other times before that, we see a glitch where yeah. Tyler is there. And the first one is when he tells him 
about like, you know, I'm not going to give you pills or whatever to sleep. Go to the the meeting or support group for the testicular cancer. And Tyler is behind the doctor in a very quick flash. Okay. And it is is at the like eight minute, I mean, no, six minute and four second mark. And I thought I was going crazy too. And I replay, I'm very big on details too. Well, like, then, I saw it, but then I didn't catch all of them. And I was like, like, I caught the passing one, but it didn't seem like a glitch. And the other times, because it seemed like a glitch, I just thought it was a weird edit thing that, like, something happened. But I guess it was intentional, which makes a lot more sense. Intentional makes a lot more sense. Hindsight being what it is now. <laughs> I feel like the writers or creators of this film really dove deep. You know, almost like as deep, if not as much as someone who created the Matrix. So haven't seen it. For oh gosh, <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> I know that there's three. a red pill and a blue pill. I know that they both do different things, and that they have different options. Yes, that's also a. If you had to pivot from this movie to that, I think that'll be a beautiful transition. But the fact that he pops up again soon as he goes to that meeting and after the guy explains you know my family left me he is has his arm draped over the guy comforting the guy whose wife left him at this seven minute and 15 second blitz second mark and he he has this face about him and it says so much without saying anything because he's narrating how he feels and being in this atmosphere and it's you know, cleansing to a certain point to him and everything that he's saying, it's like connecting dots as to like, almost like, are you going crazy? Like you already, you can't sleep. Are you hallucinating this person? Are you manifesting this person? Are you what? Like you, so many questions. So I'll leave it at there before we go into anything else. But he saw glitches of Tyler before Tyler was there and really spoke to him. And then the simple fact that Tyler explains on the plane how you can make a bomb and just conveniently his house, his apartment explodes. Nobody else's but his. I'm intrigued. I don't know what to think. But we'll find out. It's a good guessing movie. I love guessing movies. A good guessing movie. Leaves me with a lot to think about. Thrillers. Mm. Which it doesn't feel <laughs> like a thriller, considering the last thing that I just did was Silence of the Lambs. A very clear thriller. This one doesn't feel like a thriller, but it, I guess it kind of is. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a thriller and... A what technically like a, a a drama this one yeah it's a thriller drama so there's there's levels to each i mean we know as actors there's levels to different things they can be two as one you know like a sci-fi comedy or whatever like it's not strictly one thing so it's definitely not 100 percent a thriller as you're used to the standard but um 
it has that aspect and I can sit there and appreciate and like dissect and like, oh, wow. Like I'm, I'm actually kind of guessing what's yeah. going to happen. And if a film is a little like, I can guess what the next thing is going to be, then I kind of classify that as like, mm, I mean, it's not really there. It's kind of boring. Like, how can it be a thriller or something? Like, I really need to play detective. I need to ask questions. I need to be kept on my toes. Yeah, and that's what I have found as well with going through some of these films that, like, I'm wrong most of the time, but that's <laughs> what makes it more intriguing to me, is that... <laughs> Because I think I know what's going to happen. And then I'm like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> so, well, Adoria, thank you so much for joining this week. If people want to find you on the internet doing different things, how did they do that? Uh, I'm pretty much very easy to find because I pretty much just use my name. So since I'm not an A-list or anything at the present moment, I just use my name so I don't have to say the official whatever. It's just Adoria, A-D-O-R-I-A, underscore, K, underscore, Lewis. That's L-E-W-I-S. And if you're a gamer or if you are on TikTok, I do have my same name there, but I also go by Thick Pocahontas with two C's instead of H-O-N is H-A-N when you spell Hauntus. But yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'll catch y'all later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. I also run the social media and edited this episode. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison, and the art is by Jared Rothen. If you would like to support the show and get access to some bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at postfinalepod on all three platforms. And if you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell the friend about a show. Reach out and say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch mo- movies. Check out this new podcast. Talk about us on social media. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you are using to listen to the show. All of these things help, and I appreciate all of you that have done this already and all of you that will do this in the future. But thank you for joining us for this week, and be sure to join us next week as we continue talking about Fight Club. Even though apparently it's something that I'm not supposed to do, still haven't been told why, so I guess we're still going to keep doing it. And I guess we're already on this journey, so why not continue? And until next time, I'll catch y'all later.